I'll get to our sermon today in just one second, but I want to tell you about an upcoming series. Um, when we conclude this series on our finances, we're going to launch in March, we're going to launch a series in First Thessalonians. Now, you may not even know what a Thessalonian is. That's okay. I want you to be here and present. Join us online for that. We're going to walk through a letter that is works like an instructional manual on how do we live as followers of Jesus when the world seems against us. How do you live this life out? And so it's going to be a great series. I'm excited. I've been working with the ministers on it, and we're going to launch that at the beginning of March. So I'm putting that plug in right now for you to join us then. Today, we're on episode three of Keeping Up with the Joneses. And as we're treating these, each of these messages as an episode, I want to do a recap of what last week was about. The whole series is about how does God, how does Jesus view our money? Because Jesus says a lot about our money. In fact, Jesus says more about money than he says about many of the topics that we think would rise to number one on the list, such as heaven, grace, hell, all these other topics, money he speaks about the most because he knew the temptation and the struggle that we would have with our money. And so three things from last week that I want to call us back to as we get into this episode today. The first is this, is that debt is a problem. Last week we explored how the idea of the borrower is a servant or slave, depending on the translation that you're reading, to the lender. And Jesus wants us to realize the danger that comes with that. Second thing is this. Left unchecked, our possessions will possess us. Left unchecked, our, our stuff, our treasures, has a power over us. The scripture describes it again and again, not as an inanimate object, but as a competing God against him, against himself, against God the Father. And then the last thing that we need to pay attention to is this. The way you break treasure's power over you is to be generous with your treasure. And all of these link together, and so that's the one we're going to pick up with that idea where we left off last week with this week. And so, I'm glad you're here. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 12 in your Bibles as we launch into this episode of Keeping Up with the Joneses. Today I'll begin with a question, and it's a question that perhaps you've never asked yourself, but if you have, you most likely are probably farther along in your life because maybe 
maybe when you get to your twilight years, you, you ask this question, but for many, the younger that you are, the less likely you've asked this question. If you're somewhere just launching your life, just launching your career, somewhere still in college, you're most likely haven't asked this question yet. But this is a critical question. In a moment, when I put it up there, I do want you to write this one down or take a, take a picture with your phone because how you wrestle with this question will greatly impact how your relationship with your treasure, with your money, goes. And it's a critical question, and the problem is that culture does not teach us to ask this question. So here's the question. Why do I have so much? Anybody ever wrestled with that one? You ever wake up in the morning and go, I have so much. No, See, culture doesn't, te- doesn't tempt you to ask that one, does it? Culture wants you to ask the exact opposite. The common sense wants you to ask the exact opposite. Why don't I have more? Why, why don't I have as much as... And it's so easy to look out the window and, and spot someone else... And think, well, they're rich. If I had what they have, then I would be fine. And this is really impressive, especially considering we live in the wealthiest nation on the planet. And we live with such a level of of lifestyle that it's really tempting to look around the world or to look across the street and down the block and everything and see somebody that has a little bit more than us and wonder why I don't have more and not ask the question, why do I have so much? Now, I realize that you may want to push back on that question right away and, Scott, I don't have a lot. But in global standards, we do. In biblical standards, we do. And I want to get you to to at least show you where Jesus calls us to have a different perspective on our stuff so that if you would adopt this and you would wrestle with this question, and I'm going to give you some time at the end of the service to actually spend some time thinking about this, but why do I have so much? What would that mean for what God can do through you and what God can do to you? And so, Luke chapter 12, we have an interaction with Jesus that prompts a very unique parable. And a parable is simply a sermon illustration. It's a story that makes a point. And in Luke chapter 12, and I'm going to begin in verse 13. And this is a crowd around Jesus, and he's going to get, because he's a, he's a rabbi, he's a teacher, he's going to receive a question from the crowd, kind of a Q&A. And they're going to throw a question at him, And how he responds is incredibly telling and insightful about our treasure and this relationship that we have that calls us to ask, why do I have so much? So here's how the conversation begins in Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. 
And Jesus replies, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? They're bringing a question to a known source of wisdom. Jesus has proven, now not everybody may have believed he was the Son of God, but there seemed to be a wisdom in there. And so now he, they're asking him, settle this for us. My brother is not dividing the inheritance with me. And maybe you've been in one of those situations where you've had a parent or both parents have passed away and you have siblings and you have extended family and money now gets involved and it becomes difficult and messy and there's accusations and there's awkwardness and there's heated conversations. That's what this man is experiencing. And so he's coming to Jesus and says, Jesus, settle this between us. And Jesus says, who appointed me? Then he said to them, now, that we've got to pay attention to, the, to what's going on because it's almost as if Jesus receives the question. He responds back. He says, I'm not the judge of that. But then he uses this moment to go back and address the entire crowd, which the man is standing a part of. The man wants him, Jesus, if you would come right now and tell my brother I'm right, that's what this man wants. But he uses this moment to teach something. And so he looks out over the crowd and says... Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And now, what he's going to do, everything following that, is he's going to expand on that. But he turns the question around. The guy brings to him what he thinks is a legal question. A fair question. And the guy, and Jesus' response is, watch out, be on guard, pay attention, have your eyes open, don't just set this on autopilot against all kinds of greed. Now, here's the thing about greed. Greed is extremely difficult to see in the mirror. Right? Nobody has ever looked at themselves in the mirror and said, you know, my problem is I'm just way too greedy. We don't use that word, do we? What do we say? I'm very careful. I'm a good investor. I make wise decisions. Now, I can spot greed in your mirror, can I? And you can spot it in mine. But the ability to see, and are we wrestling with what Jesus calls greed, is extremely difficult. And we've got to acknowledge that first. And that's why Jesus says you've got to be careful with this. You've got to watch out for this because this will sneak up on you. But it's extremely difficult to see in the mirror. And then he tags this other line on it that says, that, that says um, don't get caught up in the abundance of your possessions and so he then launches into a parable that addresses this whole issue but you've got to understand the framework of what gets him in there to understand what he's trying to teach with this parable and so he's making a warning about greed and now he's going to talk about our relationship with our possessions particularly when they're in abundance so here's how he launches And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. 
So there's a farmer. He's got an incredible amount of crops. He already had storage barns that were full. And so now he's got too much crop. He's got too much stuff, too many things, too much blessing that he can't figure out how to store it all. This is very relevant to our world today, is it not? Because we have a proliferation of storage facilities in our world, don't we? I've had one, this is not, let me, I'm not trying to beat up on you, but we've got to acknowledge that what Jesus is talking about is unbelievably relevant to us today. See, the temptation for you is going to be to think that, oh, he's talking to rich people, I'm not a rich person, therefore it doesn't apply to me. But we have an incredible proliferation of storage. We've got so much stuff that we store our, our stuff at another place and occasionally go by and visit our stuff. And he said, so, this guy, this rich man, who's apparently incredibly smart because he's always got a plan, probably why he's so rich is because he knows what to do with it. He knows how to make an investment. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I've got a plan. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus of grain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Now, if we were to sit down and have a lunch with this guy, and he told us his plans, we would all walk away pretty impressed. Good for you. That's smart. That's wise. You're great with money. Can I invest in your business? Because apparently whatever you touch turns, turns to gold. The, nobody in Jesus' audience at this moment would be going, well, he must be the bad guy in the story. That, they don't hear it that way. They just hear, hey, there's a smart guy. I wonder what happens next. Jesus says, but God. Now, you seldom want sentences to start with, but God if the last one you thought was a really positive thing. But God said to him, You fool, you also never want to be called a fool by God. You fool. God's going, I just looked at your plan. You fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what? what you have prepared for yourself. Jesus comes right at him and says, says, you fool. You you thought you had a plan. But you you made some fatal errors here. You've made an equation that doesn't work. And so I want to identify some of their, some of his fatal errors Because the first thing is, he thinks that because he's got, and look look, just a verse two before, he says, I said to myself, I have plenty of grain laid up for many years, so I'm going to take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. His first fatal flaw is this. I have an abundance of things, therefore I have an abundance of years. 
He looks at his nest egg, at his retirement plan, at his security account, and he says, that's in place, I'm good to go. He thinks that because, fatal flaw number one, because I've got so many things, so much stuff, so much treasure, that that somehow guarantees me a long life. That guarantees me a way forward. That I'm set. Things do not equal time. Money does not equal time. That's not how the equation works, and yet that was his fatal flaw that he had. And so his life is going to be taken from him this night. And look at how Jesus ends with that question. Then, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You stored all this up. You think you've got a long life. You think that your years are going to be smooth sailing from here. You're dying tonight. Who gets everything you stored up? And the answer for this man is the same as it is for us. Somebody else. Somebody else. It's not going to you. Somebody else will get it. For you, zero goes in on the ledger. And so one way to look at what this man is going to experience when he looks at these larger barns that are full of this surplus, full of this abundance that he thought was going to equal a long life, it's a total loss by that definition. Because someone else is going to get it. His treasure does not equal his time. And so his second flaw, and this is the one where we'll spend most of our time, is this. That he has this abundance that is going to be taken from him. And the problem is he made this assumption that I'm going to call the consumption assumption. He thought, when I have extra, it must be for me. This is fatal flaw number two. When I have extra, it must be for me. Or just to put it more for us, when we have extra, we think our extra is for us. It's so easy, isn't it? When you have more extra Abundance, when you've got these blessings to look at and go, that's for me. And, and this is for all of us. So this, trust me, I, this is one of those series where I preach to myself first all week long before I get up here, okay? So welcome to my misery. That's all, that's all this is. It's so easy for me, because I've wrestled with this, to think, you know what? Here's some extra. What a blessing, and I'm so thankful for it, and now that must be for me. God somehow rewarding me. Now, it sounds crazy when I say it out loud, but it goes through my mind. That we have this idea that when we have extra, we think that our extra is for us. And so what do we do with this? And this is where we come into verse 21. And so Jesus ends it this way. This is how it will be 
For whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now, that phrase, rich toward God, should recall you to last week. Where we talked about, be rich indeed, rich toward God, rich toward others. And it all has to do with this generosity. And so, this is a place where Jesus is teaching, you may have extra and you may receive the blessing of God, but remember where we started. We're not the owners of our stuff. We're managers on behalf of God. And so, the takeaway, what Jesus would have us understand is that when you have more than you need, it is for someone in need. Why do you have so much? God has blessed you, and for most of us in this room, it would be easy to say, God has blessed us in abundance of what I actually need. And so that is an opportunity for us to look around now and say, God, you have given me more than I need. There must be something that I can do with this. There must be a way to see this to where I can bless someone else in need. This is a God perspective on your money. This is what Jesus has given us. You want to see your money the way that God sees your money, look at it through this way. Maybe the illustration would help. How many people in here like chocolate chip cookies? Okay? It's okay. If, if, not with nuts, okay? <laughs> Actual chocolate chip cookies, okay? You know, the kind that are in the Bible. Okay. I thought about doing this, but I didn't want to put up such a distraction here that all you thought about was chocolate chip cookies. And, and I realized that even me just saying it now that are you thinking about it? But I thought about having a heaping plate of chocolate chip cookies up here. And saying, I've got, so just kind of go with me, I've got a plate of chocolate chip cookies up here. And I love chocolate chip cookies. I love Erica's chocolate chip cookies, the way she makes them. And they are a great temptation to me. And if I had a plate of those up here, and I started to enjoy my chocolate chip cookies, and I've got a dozen, I said, wow, I've got a dozen. And I invited you up and said, did you like chocolate chip cookies? You say, yes, I love chocolate chip cookies. And I say, well, I've got a dozen chocolate chip cookies here, so I'm going to eat one now and save the rest to put in my lunch each day this week. You're like, Really? And then I say, now, you like chocolate chip cookies, don't you? And you say, yes, I really like chocolate chip cookies. At that point, you say, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you that God would give you some chocolate chip cookies. Now, if I were to really do that and go through that whole little exercise and you were to watch it with me standing up here Someone saying, I love chocolate chip cookies, and I've got a plate full. I've got more than I need. There is one word that you would want to shout at me, especially if you're a parent, because you say this word all the time. What's the word? Share. That simple. How do you think... God looks down 
And when he sees some of his children in need, and some of his children with more than they need, what would you expect a loving father to say to us that have more than we need? Share. Share. I tried to figure out a way to make that more complicated. That's what Jesus is saying. He, he would say to these brothers that are fighting, share. He would say to this one that has been so successful that he actually needs to build bigger barns to, ha- to handle all the blessings that he's been given, God would say, share. When you have more than you need, it's for someone in need. We need to get a different set of eyes looking at our stuff, looking at our finances, looking at our treasure, looking at our possession. And when you begin to adapt this question into your life, why do I have so much? And you begin to look around and see who's in need. Whether you've got a little or a lot, you can begin to share. And you will see then what, you, what God can do through you with these blessings. And it may be share your stuff. It may be loan your car, share your tools, share a gift that you have, share a talent that you have. It may be share your time that you have. It may be share the money that you've had. But when you start looking through these set of lenses, these eyes, it begins to radically change how you relate to your stuff. And Jesus says, be careful with this because greed is going to sneak in. It's inevitable. But yet, the way you break the power of greed is you begin to share. And that will begin to change your relationship both with your money and those around you, especially those that you, you share with. Because now it becomes very, very personal. It becomes intimate in a different way. And it becomes we're in this together. And God can do amazing things through you. This this is not about dollar amounts, okay? This is about you acknowledging and seeing with with a belief that God has given me all that I have been blessed with. He's the owner. I'm the manager. Part of the way I'm going to manage this is I'm going to share and see what he teaches you in that moment. Next week, we're going to wrap up. We're going to wrap up with how you organize your financial world, top to bottom, with a Jesus perspective. But we can't get there without understanding this. That for those of us that are God's children that have been blessed with more, we need to be, have eyes open for God's children that have a need. And we then can become God's blessing to them in their life. The way that God chooses to provide for others could be through you and through me. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, 
I'm grateful as one that has so, so much. So, Father, I begin just a prayer for myself. Help me to share. Help me to see the need around me. Father, I pray for each of us that are in this room, for those that are joining us online, for those that are hearing this message, that we would hear the words of Jesus to say, be careful with this thing called greed. And help us to share, Father. Help us to have a different relationship with our treasure. Give us a set of Jesus' eyes to both see our stuff and see others around us, Father. Wake us up, if you would. Father, give us the courage to then respond. It's the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.